All right, good morning. Welcome to you who are here with us, and those of you who are online, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, I am just, I'm so thankful that Greg uh, mentioned that in his announcement when I heard it first this morning uh, in the first service. It about, it about brought me to tears because uh, you're going to hear a very similar message uh, preached here today based on what he was talking about and the importance of being in God's Word. Um, I don't think it's an accident that God has placed it on Greg's heart and my heart, and I know it's on the heart of the other elders, that we as a body of believers, we've got to be in the Word. We have got to be studying the Word and reading it uh, for our own personal intake. And um, you're going to get to see that again today um, in this message. And uh, Greg has some wonderful resources on, lo- on, the, uh, on the newsletter and that article that he, that he um, wrote about um, getting into the Word um, as your kind of your New Year's resolution. So just, we, it is no accident that God has brought this up. So, so God is talking. Let's listen. Let's, hear what, let's see what he has to say. All right, so uh, as you can see, we're going to be back in Daniel. We have made it to the end. At least to the end of Daniel. <laughs> We're going to talk about the end, but uh, we've made it to the end. Um, so turn with me in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 12. That's where we're going to be spending our time today. Um, but before I begin, I want to read to you a passage from the, uh, Paul's second epistle to the church in Thessalonica. Um, So turn to chapter 12, Daniel chapter 12, but listen closely to the words that I'm going to read from 2 Thessalonians, and I'll read from chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Paul says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself and every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And this is Paul talking about the church in Thessalonica. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. If you remember our study from Daniel chapter 11 last week, 
some of what I just read there from 2 Thessalonians will hopefully sound very familiar to you. The prophecy Daniel receives in chapter 11 reveals to Daniel a man whom we now know of based on as we can look back into history. Remember, Daniel was getting, being revealed a prophecy and now we can look back on history and know that this man that was revealed to Daniel was known as Antiochus IV. He was a great and horrible Seleucid king who reigned from 175 to 164 B.C. And I gave you some reasons last week as to why he is referred to as a contemptible man. He desecrated the temple and forced the Jews to stop worshiping God. In fact, he went so far as to name himself Antiochus Epiphanes. Now, does anyone here know what Epiphanes means? In the Greek, it means God manifest. God manifest. That's how we refer to himself. Recall, though, at some point between verses 36 and verse 40, there is a transition from the description that can be attributed to Antiochus to a man that has not yet been identified in history. Yet they still, the, the, way, it's, the way the angel talks about this man is as if they're one and the same. Additionally, somewhere between verses 36 and verse 40, we go from 164 BC in the time of Antiochus to what's referred to as the time of the end. The time of the end. And that's how verse 40 in chapter 11 begins. The phrase in verse 40 carries a sense that is referring to the end of the age. The end times. The time of the end. In fact, you could argue that the entire chapter uh, here in Daniel chapter 11 carries a sense that is increasingly about the end times as it progresses through time. That sense continues to increase as we get closer to chapter 12. Now I say all of that to say this. The man that was being described in Daniel 11, starting in verse 36 and then concretely in verse 40, is very likely the man of lawlessness that Paul was describing in, Thess- in, in the book of Second Thessalonians. This is a man who is commonly referred to as the Antichrist. The Antichrist. Who, based on the context and the description that we get from this chapter in Daniel, will come with similar characteristics and even a spirit, if you will, of Antiochus Epiphanes. Remember I talked about last week, there is spiritual warfare. There are spirits at work that are influencing what's going on in our physical reality. There will be a spirit behind the Antichrist who will be a lot like the spirit of Antiochus Epiphanes. That is what's given to us here in Daniel 11. However, this is not the point of the message today. I'm merely bringing it up to set up a scene for you so that we can get into chapter 12. It's interesting to me though as you read Daniel 11 and on the approach into chapter 12. Now remember, chapters 10, 11 and 12 make up a single vision. The angel came, this angelic being is revealing a vision to Daniel and three chapters make up the entire vision. So don't forget that. This man that's revealed to Daniel is is sort of mentioned in a form of passing. I mean, he's brought up, he's emphasized, we hear about 
the events that will take place when the Antichrist comes, when this man comes, this man of lawlessness. And there is emphasis given to him, but then it's almost as if like he's just gone. He will come and, and, and yet he shall come to his end with none to help him. That's the way that chapter 11 ends. So it's obvious to me that the focus of this vision, the climax of this vision, is not the focus on the Antichrist or to focus on this man of lawlessness. The focus is on chapter 12. And that's what we're going to see today. It's the focus on the time of the end. Now let's see what Daniel learns. And I'm going to read from Daniel chapter 12, starting with verse 1. Okay. This is, again, remember, this is the angelic being relaying a vision to Daniel. Daniel chapter 12, starting with verse 1. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble. Such has never been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward, the, toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. That is the word of the Lord. <laughs> All right, so the first four verses here tell us exactly what will happen in the end. You get it, in four verses. It's revealed what will happen at the end. These verses are meant to be read synonymously or in parallel with the end of Daniel 11. The phrase and the meaning behind at that time here in verse 1 synchronizes with the phrase in verse 40, which the phrase and the meaning behind at the time of the end. We see that what we're dealing with here in chapter 12 is that we're reading about events that will occur at the time of the end, the end 
of the age. Once again, Daniel is introduced to Michael. We see that in verse 1 here. This Michael is mentioned in a few other places in Scripture. He's mentioned as a, uh, well, actually some of the other places you can go back and study on your own to see who this Michael really is. Uh, we, We saw him back in Daniel chapter 10 last week. He's mentioned a couple times there. And then later on in Jude chapter 9, and then also in Revelation chapter 20, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 12. Throughout Scripture, this angel is depicted as a commander of the holy angels. He's a commander. And he will arrive, according to what we're reading here, he will arrive on the scene in some way of the defense of God's people. What this indicates to me is that when Michael arrives, he'll be bringing an angelic host of warriors, and angelic, angelic beings coming in, and a massive cosmic battle will probably follow. Why is he bringing them otherwise? You can read more about that in Revelation. We're not going to have time to get into that today. Now, those who are here at that time probably won't realize what's going on. They won't see that this is happening, that Michael is doing this. Just like we don't see what's going on in the spiritual realms today. We don't see how the angels are battling against the fallen angels and so on and so forth. But we do feel the effects of it, as we saw in chapter 10 and chapter 11. We do feel the effects of it. The effect will very, will very likely be what is shown here at the end of verse 1, the second part of verse 1. And that is that there will be a time of trouble, such as has never been. Jesus refers to this time of trouble, and his words are recorded on this in Matthew chapter 24, and also in Mark chapter 13. I'm going to read from you, for you Matthew 24, verse 21. Jesus says, For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. So, just in case you're keeping track of what's going on, what's going to happen in the end, uh, we have, so far, we have the arrival of the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, um, and then we have the arrival of Michael, who is the commander of the angelic, uh, the holy angels, and then we have a time of great trouble and tribulation. And we haven't even made it to verse 2. To finish off verse 1, the angel speaking to Daniel declares the following. And I'll read the end of verse 1 through verse 3. He says, But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. At this point, Daniel is met with, and and we are also met with here, the stark reality that ultimately there are only two kinds of people in the world. Those Those whose names are found in the book, and those whose names are not. There's no middle ground. Also, notice what is going to happen to everyone. We see here in verse 2. If anyone tells you 
that there is no mention of the resurrection in the Old Testament, they are wrong. Run away. It is very clear what we're seeing here is the bodily resurrection at the end. The same resurrection is what Paul describes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The truth is, at the time of the end, the dead will be raised up to life. You will be raised up to life. The same thing happened in the first service. You will be raised to life again. Some of you will be raised to everlasting life and others raised to everlasting contempt. This is the final judgment referred to by Jesus in Matthew 5. I'm sorry, Matthew 25 and John chapter 5. And this... This right here is what's going to mark the end of the age. The time of the end. It will be clear and there will not be any guessing at that point. Think about it. Can you imagine people coming back from the dead? Raising up physically, it's going to happen. 1 Corinthians 15 makes that clear. This makes that clear. It's going to happen. It will be clear when the time of the end has come. And that is the point in verse 4. The angel gives Daniel some very peculiar instructions here. And uh, it'll make a lot of sense now once we unpack it. He says, the angel says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. In other words, he's not saying, uh, keep this a secret, Daniel. Hold this to yourself. No, he's saying, write it down so that the people later on, generation after generation after generation, can read about what is to come. So that the people who are living at the time of the end will know that the time of the end has arrived. That is the point. There will be people, and there are today, running around going, look, there it is. We're coming to the end. We're in the end. This is a sign. This is clear. This is the end. And that's the point of the second part of verse 4. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. They'll be looking around for the word of God thinking that they've got it figured out. Amos 8.12 says, They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall... Can you hear me? Lost my place. Here we go.
Hey, we're back on. Here we go, second time. All right. So people will be trying to figure out the time of the end. They'll also be trying to figure out and find their answers to God in places where God is, is not. We know where the answers to all of these things are and where God is. He's in Scripture. We have it right here revealed to us. That is why it's so important for us to be in the Word and why you hear it being taught these last few weeks and what Greg mentioned in his announcement. We need to be in the Word. So that we know that when, we, when, when those who do arrive at the end will know that it is the end. Just think about this for a minute. Prophecy is only fully understood until after what has been prophesied actually happens. Think about Daniel. Even Daniel, a prophet himself, was reading through Jeremiah and realized that when he came to the point where the king of Babylon would be killed and that would usher in the end of the exile, it took him to read that and then realize, wait, Belshazzar just died. The king of Persia just came in. The end must be coming. It took a historical event for him to realize that prophecy was being fulfilled. It takes history to fulfill prophecy. So these words that we're reading here are meant to be shared with every generation so that when the appointed time arrives, it will be clear to those living in that time. This is why it is so important to be passing every single word of God down to our kids and our grandkids, our friends, our co-workers, our family members, everyone. Even if they don't listen to it now, you never know when something is going to happen that causes a trigger to go off in their mind, like a light bulb. There might be an event that occurs. This may happen. And it, oh, here we are. You never know. Trust me. They're going to find, they're going to try and find the answers somewhere. It needs to be from the book, from the word of God. Many have tried to deduce and figure out what actual real-life events will take place that will usher in the end of the age. And many have even tried to calculate the time frame to try to figure out when it will come. We have the answer to those questions right here. Right here in the first four verses even of chapter 12. And that's why Daniel was told to seal the words for the people living in the time of the end. Now, the prophecy doesn't end there. Thank goodness it does not end there. Leave it to another angel to come on the scene and ask the question to which we are all wanting the answer. Check out verse 6 here. Okay, so verse 6, and someone said, this is another angel who appears, right? We see that in verse 5. Verse 6 says, and someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, how long Shall it be till the end of these wonders? This should be encouraging for us, and I'm sure it was encouraging to Daniel. Uh, apparently, even some of the angels don't know the details of God's plan. At least until now, at this point in history. 
This question is a question that I'm sure many of us are asking. I know I've asked it myself, especially after reading through even just the first four verses there. Questions like, how long until the end? Or even, God, how long until your creation is no longer broken? How long until we are no longer broken? Where are you? What are you doing? Why are your people suffering and dying? Why are they not prospering and victorious? How much longer do you think we can hold on? I mean, think about the context of what, the, what Daniel, the vision that Daniel's receiving here and the context of why he's receiving it. There were people back in Jerusalem trying to rebuild the city, doing the work of God, rebuilding the kingdom, rebuilding the temple. And they were facing opposition on all sides. How long do you think we can hold on? We have the answer in verse 7. Are you ready? This is the answer. Notice how the answer is given. And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven. It is a sign of a sincere oath. In the Old Testament times, an oath was given with one hand raised. In this case, there are two hands, his right and his left hand. And who did he swear by? He swore by him who lives forever. Who is that? God. Jesus. He swore by him who lives forever. That it would be, and here's the answer, are you ready? That it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. There you go. There's the answer. What? What? That doesn't sound like a good ending. If it makes you feel better, take a look at what Daniel, how Daniel responded in verse 8. What does it say he did? He heard... So this is Daniel speaking. I heard, but I did not understand. Well, good. If Daniel doesn't understand and I don't understand, then I must be in good company, right? If anybody should be able to understand this, it should be Daniel, a prophet. He had been given everything, all these things, throughout all the first 11 chapters here. And Daniel, he should be able to understand. And yet he doesn't understand. Hmm. I mean, think about the responses that Daniel gives multiple times to receiving a difficult and frightening vision. Okay? Daniel chapter 7, verse 15. He says, As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. Daniel 7, verse 28. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Daniel chapter 8, verse 27. And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I arose and went about the king's business, but I was appalled by the vision, and did not understand it. So, if you're a little bit like me, and you're troubled by the answer that's given here in verse 7, the answer to how long shall it be until the end, you're in pretty good company. I consider Daniel really, really good company. Okay? And he didn't understand. And if you hear someone explaining that they understand what is said here, Just remember that Daniel didn't understand. Okay? So we see 
something that is going to mark the end of the time, the time of the end. This is the shattering, when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end. Wait, you mean that uh, God's people won't raise up, there will be some great kingdom and that we will be in great power and control in this world? No. If anything, this church will be empty. This pulpit will be empty. And the pulpit will be in your homes. That's why it's so important to be in the word. To be reading. To be studying. To be preparing. To be preparing every generation for this time. When the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end. The good news in this verse, though, is the first part of it. Okay? And you're thinking, what? what? A time, times, and half a time? How is that good news? What's, what does that even mean? That is the good news. The fact that this period of persecution and suffering, the shattering of the power of the holy people, is limited in its scope. It already has been predetermined by God, the timing of how long this will take. It will not go on forever. And that point is reiterated in verses 11 and verse 12. Let me read them for you. The angel says, And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who awaits and arrives at the 1,335 days. So we see that there's even more specific time frame that's given, but then again, it's not so specific. We see in verse the beginning of verse, at the end of verse 12 there. What do I mean by this? The verses here are a revelation of the fact that God has a predetermined period of judgment and persecution that is indeed limited. And if these are literal days, then it is corresponding to roughly three and a half years. That's about what 1,290 days works out to be. But if it's not corresponding to literal days, the identification of the time frame here is three and a half times. Three and a half times. And the focus on that fact is that it is a limited period of judgment. In the Old Testament, a full period of judgment was known as seven times. Remember back to Nebuchadnezzar when he was cursed as an animal and went to go in the field and be an animal. He was there for seven times. It was a period of final judgment. This is not a full period of judgment, these three and a half times. Calling out the specific number of days here also reminds us that this is a precise period of time that God has planned down to the day. To the day. The hard part is that as soon as it feels like we should be done and the, 12, and the 1,290 days are over, when God's people feels like they've met the absolute max of their endurance they will be expected to remain faithful a few more days. 1,335 days. We will always wonder when the Lord will come. But the expectation is to continue to press on until the end. Look at the, end, look at the beginning of verse 12 here. Blessed is he who waits. The focus is not to figure out how long, but to persevere to the end. So what's the point? In all of this, 
Why must God's holy people go through this? These are the questions that Daniel asks in verse 8, and we get the answer in verse 10. So the question is that Daniel asks, Then I said, O my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? Why does this have to happen? And verse 10 says, Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. But the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But those who are wise shall understand. Earlier we were singing about asking God to let us shine, shine, shine. We need to be shining. In order to make something shine, especially metal, if you think about, just think about gold for a minute. In order to make it shine, you have to put it through fire to let it remove all of the dirt and the crud that's on it. There has to be a period of fire. Also, when you put, and so that's what we see here in, uh, at the beginning of verse 10, many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. But also, if you only put dirt into the fire or crud into the fire, that's all that's going to come out. Dirt and crud. But the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. The reason why this has to happen and why this is going to happen is so that the holy people of God will be revealed. So that we would shine. The wicked will also be revealed. When humanity is put through fire, you'll start to see who God truly is and who his people, who the people of God truly are. And who is truly not the people of, who are truly not the people of God. The people of God will be marked by them continuing to turn back to him, to focus on the face of Jesus, to completely and wholly rely on him, seeking their full dependence in him. That is the true marker of a believer, of a, of a person of God. In contrast, the wicked will continue to reject, to deny, and to hate him. The whole point of Daniel chapter 12 is to show God's people that while God is at work to build his kingdom, and he is at work to build his kingdom, his kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is not of this world. I mean, remember back, we, the, the, the Jews had gone back to Jerusalem to rebuild the kingdom of God. They thought they were doing the work, and they were. But this point here in chapter 12 is that his kingdom is not of this world. While he is at work, while God is at work, God's people must put their complete dependence in him and not in an earthly power or authority or in power and authority in this earth, in this world. God's, God promises everlasting life for his people who persevere to the end. That is the point of chapter 12. So in closing, I want to point out what might be somewhat of an elephant in the room right now. Okay, maybe he's not really here, but I'm going to bring him in uh, just in case, just to level the playing field. We are not studying Daniel because we think that the time of the end has arrived. I want to make that clear. We are not studying Daniel because we think that the time of the end has arrived. 
Many people have claimed that the events of today are signs that we are at the end. And if you're thinking that, if you're still thinking that at this point in the message, then you've missed everything I've said. You've missed it. Hopefully today's passage and study made clear that we are most certainly not at the time of the end. We may be in the last days, as started when Christ ascended to heaven, but we are not at the time of the end. We study these portions of scripture so that those who are living in the time of the end will know that they are in the time of the end. We must be passing it down generation to generation, studying the word, being in scripture. But I do want to mention one thing while we're on this topic. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. At one point in Jesus' ministry, at this point here in Matthew 24, the disciples had asked Jesus what will be the sign of his coming in the end of the age. The answer Jesus gave here in chapter 24 sounds a lot like what we read, what we read today in Daniel. Um, he mentions, you know, mentions that their nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be many famines and earthquakes, um, wars and rumors of wars. But he uses an interesting illustration here that I want to share with you. And that's verse 8 here in Matthew 24. He says, All these things are but the beginning of the birth pains. All these things are but the beginning of the birth pains. Now, if you've ever had the opportunity to witness the birth of a child, it's absolutely incredible. It is wonderful. At least it was for me. I don't know how it was for my wife. but <laughs> I mean, after seeing the baby, you're excited and it's a lot of fun, right? But the nice thing for the dad, in my opinion, is that technology has made it even better so that I can go up and I can look at the, uh, the readouts that are coming out and showing all the contractions. I get to see how each contraction comes up and the intensity and the strength of those contractions. And technology is great. Uh, and, you know, I, I can see all of those things, the, 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 the pain that the mom is having. <laughs> and I made the mistake one time during Kalia's birth of excitedly saying, oh, oh, I see another one coming. Here it comes, Jess, get ready. Here it comes. And rather than hearing, oh, thanks, honey, I appreciate you giving me a warning, it was, yes, I know. Trust me, I know. <laughs> Contractions in childbirth are interesting and they're also painful. As the child comes closer to being born, the contractions get stronger and closer together in timing. Something that the doctors told us as we were preparing, well, actually, that they told my wife, because I wasn't going to have the baby, but the thing, one of the things that the doctor told us is that when you're, when you're in the middle of a contraction, you have to focus on the contraction. Don't worry about the next ones that are coming, because they're going to come. Focus on the one that's now. And breathe. Breathe through it. And the only thing that I could do was hold her hand. That's all I could do. I couldn't even say, it's going to be okay. Well, I did that once when Faith was being born, and that was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> it's going to be okay, right? Because it's painful. 
I may be wrong because Scripture does not necessarily focus on or, or bring up uh, events that are happening in 2020 or 2021, but I might go so far as to say that we are in a birth pain right now. We're experiencing a contraction. One of many that have already happened and many that are probably likely to come. It's just one. My point in saying that is this. We need to look forward to what's to come, but we don't need to try to figure out when it will come. The mom doesn't know how many contractions she's going to have until the baby comes. It's not until a doctor says, yep, here she is. We are placed here at this place in this time for a reason. I want to close. I said I was going to close earlier, but I really want to close here with the last verse of Daniel chapter 12. These words to Daniel are from the angel, and I think they're good words for us to consider as we leave here today. And that is this. He says, the angel says, but go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Go your way. Keep living. The end will come, and you have no control over it. Go your way. Remember what I mentioned last week. What is the application for us? What are we to do? We need to believe. We need to stand firm in our belief. We need to be teaching, passing down the word of God to everyone we're with, especially our kids and our grandkids. And as we learn today, we need to persevere to the end. You will die. But you will be raised to life again. That is what helps us persevere to the end. It's not the end. It's that you will be raised to life again. The question that we need to answer is that where will I be when I'm raised up? Where will I be? Everlasting life or everlasting contempt? Jesus came so that being raised to everlasting life would be possible. The suffering that is going to be endured by God's people pales in comparison to the suffering that Jesus went through. It pales. Jesus paid it all. And because of him, and because of what he did, we have the opportunity to be raised to everlasting life. For the people of God, those who trust in Jesus until the end, death is not the end. Death is only the beginning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your words today. Lord, we are just, we are just reminded that you are, even in the midst of when things feel like they're out of control, you are in control. This is all according to plan. You shared it with Daniel. And the words that you left him with at the end of the book At the end of Daniel is, go your way. Continue believing. Continue standing firm. Resolving in your faith. Teaching and praying. Go your way. The end will come. And we have no control over when that is. But you do. And we know and we can trust in you. 
Father, give us strength. Help us to persevere. We rely on you. We need your strength to be able to persevere, to continue in your word. Father, give us a fire to study your word, to get into it, to read it, to be passing it down, to have the knowledge that we need to be able to pass it down. Heaven forbid the time comes when we can't be in church anymore, in a church building, and that the church is in our home. Give us a fire to study and to pass it down. Just thank you for your son, Lord Jesus, and the resurrection. That is why we can celebrate. It's the resurrection. You showed us what a resurrection looks like. You did it. You defeated death. And someday we're going to experience the same thing. And if anyone struggles with the belief that there was a resurrection... I encourage them to find the evidence that shows that there was, that Jesus did raise from the dead. He really did live, and he did, really did. He rose again. The only man that has ever done that. We serve a risen God, and a God who loves us. God, thank you so much for your word. Father, I pray that everyone that's listening today, their name would be found written in the book. And those of us who do have our names in the book, we need to be sharing it so that other names can be in the book. Give us your fire. Help us. Father, I pray for those of us that are not in the building today, that are at home, that are sick, that are still recovering from COVID, that are recovering from whatever else is going on. Father, I just pray that you would strengthen us, that you would bring us out of this, and that we could continue to follow you and draw closer to you so that we would be revealed and exposed to the world, that, that you would be exposed to the world through us. We thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.